Hello, everyone. Welcome to Warrior Voices, and this is Major P, your host. I wanted to start off by thanking the Most High for giving me the ability to do these podcasts, Anchor for the Platform, and my friends and family and listeners for your support. I want to start off by saying that I'm not a therapist, a psychiatrist, or a psychologist. I'm just somebody that's been through a lot of things and want to share a lot of information from my experience. I hope you enjoy these podcasts, and if you can take anything away from it, I've accomplished what it is and my goal is for me to be on here. Thank you again for your support and in continue to enjoy that which I can share. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Warrior Voices. Today I want to talk about this notion and idea of defunding the police. Listen, Let's stop with the madness. And I'm telling you from experience of being a police officer for five years. I want to start off to saying, while everything that's going on is tragic, believing the hype doesn't help. And I can tell you just as many bad apples out there that are good cops out there trying to do the best. But you guys got to understand the history and what's going on in most of these police departments. I can specifically give you the examples from the police department that I serve. I can't talk about what's going on in most others, but I can tell you the dynamic is the same. First, you gotta understand two things. First thing, we must demand equality in the way that we are as black people being treated. I get that 100% across the board. But what the public doesn't understand, for that African-American officer that's in there, not only does he have to fight when he get off work, he has to fight while he's at work, and then he has to defend his position when he's serving the public. Give you a prime example. I work for the police department where a detective who was African-American was beat by his counterparts on national television but he didn't have enough sense to do anything but settle, remained at the police department, and continued to work till he retired. The same police department, white officers who have shot people, remained, got promoted, became sergeants, and most times the people that they shot were minorities, but when a minority officer got um, rolled up for a minor infraction, the maximum punishment was weighed against him. So I want you to think about that. Think about how that functions. Let's talk about this for a while. The issue is this. If you defund, defund the police departments and you take away the resources, when you're calling 911 and those limited resources there, it's going to reflect. But it's not going to reflect in the communities that don't need police. It's going to conflict in the minority communities where crime is high, where people need the assistance of law enforcement. It's a two-edged sword. Here's something else to think about. That good officer, he has the responsibility to serve and protect. So I agree with that. If you stand by and you watch another officer abuse someone or violate the law, you're just as culpable. But let me say this, so you people out there can understand. Defunding isn't the answer. What needs to happen is those resources that are being provided to the police department needs to be allocated for community policing. I am a believer in community policing. Have officers get out the car, 
have them go out and be part of the community, not just a car riding around in the community. If your officers are if your officers are afraid, you need to give them some kind of cultural training or some kind of introduction to the community before they go to the community that they serve. That's and that should be taught in the academy. Not only taught, but that experience should be done in the academy. A big thing to be thought of by departments need to be transparency and communication. Not talking at the people, but talking with the people and make the dialogue a two-way street, not a one-way street. Respect begets respect. The other thing is this. While it may be a nominal idea, but ride-alongs. Ride-alongs with the community activists who see you as a threat so that they can walk in your shoes just as you need to walk in their shoes. There needs to be transparency within the community. If you live in a district or you live in a county, guess what? Representation of that county should be on use of force boards, shooting boards, and any other boards that have with the governing, even a board for the hiring of a police chief. If the community is not part of the solution, then the police will always appear as the problem. That funding that's used for more guns and bigger trucks and all that is also funding that could be used to have these boards, to have dialogue, so the bigger guns and trucks are not necessarily tools that are allowed. Training on non-lethals is a, a great way to start, but teach how to use non-lethals. When you're afraid, and the law the law specifically says that you have the right to defend yourself and justifiably shoot someone because you are in a fear of your life, health, or safety, or the life, health, or safety of others, the public needs to understand what that means. So the education works on both sides. Go out to the communities and explain to them what that law means. Show them what that looks like through demonstrations. Show them what that looks like through examples. You have to train and show and educate the public. The public has to educate and show the police. That is the only way we're going to reduce the amount of homicides that are happen happening, the amount of over, um, um, force that is used on the public, and the amount of resistance that the police have by the participation of the public. Hey, I don't know anything and everything, but I do know what I experienced as a police officer. I can tell you when I was a police officer, I enjoyed every day that I went to work because in my head, I thought I could make change. But the internal politics, the nepotism, the cronyism, the racism that I experienced, and it was public. It was in the public's eye. Even at the time that my department tried to set me up and smear my name, it was in the public's eye. Even when in my last days of my being on the police department and continue to try to smear my reputation, it was in the public side. They allowed a city council to override something that happened in court to again to try to ruin my career. And I was lucky and blessed that because of the most high, I was able to get a better job and make more money doing less dangerous work. But I was never at fear when I worked because I loved the community that I worked in. They don't want people to love the community that they want to work in. They want people to blindly follow orders. 
But I can tell you that there are cops, police officers, law enforcement officers that out there that love their jobs. Their problem is, is that them loving their jobs, they have to navigate through the minefields of the politics of those departments. Because everybody on the police department doesn't believe in um, serving and protecting. They're serving their own agendas and they're protecting their paychecks. But those officers out there who love to serve and protect and want and have that vision and dream of being able to help others, I can tell you from experience that dream within your first year and a half, two years, depending on the structure of your department, that is easily, easily swayed away to the hardcore facts of the politics of the day for those departments. That's until we can get civilians in those departments who are representative of those communities. And if people are really talking about really, really believing that they want to do what's right until we have true transparency, true accountability at the higher levels of the department. Remember, these guys are patrol officers that you're seeing on TV. And if my lowest element of my police department is failing, that means as the leadership sits in those seats, they have extremely failed because they're not insulated because they're the chief, the assistant chief, the lieutenant and the captain. They've been years on a system that's been broken, but benefited from it. And you have to ask yourself why. We're calling out these officers, but we're not looking at their supervisors. We're not looking at the people who approve um, the complaints. We're not looking at the people who found complaints unfounded of um, abuse of force. This, the, the public has to be educated on the continuum of force mythology that's out there and how that works. Because you can't be ignorant and, and argue a point of abuse or abuse of authority when it's not an abuse of authority or when the narrative is there to support a violation of rights, a violation of law on either side. So I'm pleading with you guys, get educated on the rule of law, get educated on the department's policies, become part of the solution and not on the, not the problem on both sides. Because until, we'll treat, until we are treated as equal people, we can't ever ask for equal rights because those in power don't see us as people. They don't treat us as people and abuse of power, again, comes from that bully ideology of, I have the badge, you do it as I tell you and I do. How many times we watch videos and the way that the police are talking to the public is disrespectful, condescending, and downright just <laughs> horrible. When I came through the academy, one of the things that I always told myself and the, and the thing that I always did Everyone I talked to was sir or ma'am and let's otherwise direct it. And I always realized when I talked to someone, especially an older person, that could be my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, that could be one of my relatives. And it's a simple rule like that in sensitivity that should be trained in the police department. We work for the public. Serve and protect. Serve who? The public. Protect who? The public. And I think when officers own that, and that's instilled in them, just like our, our leadership traits and our, our tools that we're given in the military, because they are a, the, the police department is a pseudo-military type organization, or at least supposed to have the discipline. 
But I can tell you in departments like where I worked where corruption and, and cronyism, nepotism and racism were the, were the things of the day, that there have been more good officers that have left than have stayed. And how do you fix that? That should be the question. People should be looking into and investigating. Look at the ComStat, look at the data that they have. If you have a department that most of their minority officers are fired for minor infractions, late for roll call accidents, and you have Caucasian officers who have shot people, have multiple use of force violations, and they've been promoted and they still remain on the department, you should be asking yourself, why? The department I, I worked on should have had several civil lawsuits for violation of civil rights, not only by people they violated, but officers who work for them who they terminated because of the color of their skin. Here's the evidence. If you file a lawsuit against a department in a small city where every where most attorneys are practicing law so that they can work for the city, how likely are they going to sue the city? Or if every attorney who becomes an attorney wants to be attached to the government, be it state or um, local, how do you get that attorney to fight the city with all the vigor required and needed to satisfy a judgment? Or they want to be a judge in that county and they fight the city do they become a judge? No. So the fear works. The, the, the system is broke on so many levels. And until we get off of the selfishness of worrying about our pockets, which is a bigger cultural paradigm to have to dive into, I just want people to be aware. Police officers are human beings. And they have stressors too. So when you have stress at work, stress at home, a media that's screaming that all cops are bad, a public that's screaming that all cops are bad, that's a lot of pressure in itself when you're already afraid, you already have your prejudices, and you drink the Kool-Aid of, of the silence of the blue wall. Look, cops that I worked with, there's fathers and sons that I know been on the department for years. I'm gonna give a shout out to my guy, Peanut. Him and his dad were two most amazing cops I ever knew. And I can tell you that they continue to do the right thing. Even his dad, who served in the National Guard with me, um, was an amazing guy, still an amazing guy. They always did the right thing. And they took care of each other because he knew from his dad what the right thing looked like. Look, I want to give a shout out to all my brethren in arms, be it in the military and law enforcement, and just to all my people. Keep fighting the good fight and know on both sides of the aisle this. We are responsible, inherently responsible, how we treat each other. And until we figure that out, uniform, out of uniform, that human decency comes from a simple thing as treating people as we would expect to be treated. This thing that we're going through right now isn't going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Transparency and truth needs to be the rule of the day for us to ever, ever get to the start of where we need to be. I want to thank you for listening. 
Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Many more to follow.